Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. Become a Coast Insider, and you can hear this complete conversation as well as recent shows featuring guests discussing new cases of the troubling cattle mutilation phenomenon, worrisome instances of clandestine CIA torture, and the evidence that the lost city of Atlantis may have really once existed. Check out these programs and many other fascinating episodes waiting for you in the Coast to Coast Archive by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. So we're going to talk a lot about uh, Stand Your Ground, but tell us a little bit about Oath Keepers for a lot of people who don't know what that organization is. Oath Keepers is an association of military, police, uh, and first responders, both current serving and retired. And we also allow in what we call associate members. So those who have not served in those capacities can still join uh, because we're all in this together. So if you're a patriot, you're more than welcome to join. And we're actually running a membership special right now um, for the next 24 hours, just for your listeners, in fact. All right, great. How do they find you? Just through your website, which we've got linked up at Coast to Coast? You bet, OathKeepers.org. Super. What do you think of this ruling, this judge basically saying, hey, hey, wait a minute now, 3D printing of guns, we don't want that to happen. What do you think of that? Well, you're not going to stop knowledge. I mean, you know, out here out here in Montana, I'm sure it's the same in where you live, you got guys that run machine shops and have been making things all their lives. They could make almost anything. What's unique about 3D printing is it takes the, the need to know of how to manufacture things out of the equation, you just buy a 3D printer and it does it for you. But you're going to be able, you're never going to stop guys and be able to make homemade and, and you know out in a garage or their shop make firearms. And so I, I would I would guess too, Stuart, that if a terrorist wants to sneak a plastic gun through a uh, TSA screening system, they're going to be able to do that, aren't they? Oh, sure. And any any system you put in place for for you know stopping someone is going to be circumvented by a terrorist. But the cartridge itself will still be metallic. So, I think I think it's a I think it's a red herring. I think the the, the people who are, are freaked out by it most are the are the anti gunners who want to believe that someday they'll be able to completely ban you know evil weapons, and it's just not ever going to happen. You know they'll come across the border with the drugs like everything else, or like I said, some guy can make it in his garage. Now, when you started Oath Keepers, what did you see? What really hit you to Katrina. get this organization going? I would say Hurricane Katrina, when we saw, unfortunately, you know, law enforcement officers from all over the country brought, brought to New Orleans to help, um, obeying a, a clearly unconstitutional order by the mayor, an anti-gunner, to confiscate guns from people who were just trying to protect themselves and their, and their property. And perversely, in the middle of an emergency, when they need firearms, when there's a breakdown in, in law and order and a breakdown in the services, is exactly when you need to have the ability to, to defend yourself. So and so we saw that it was quite a wake up call to see so many law enforcement officers and also military personnel obe- obeying unconstitutional orders. You know, I always uh, I always make this uh, disclaimer, Stuart, that I'm a concealed weapons permit holder. Uh, I am a staunch Second Amendment rights advocate, uh, and I uh, I th- hope that people, of course, continue to push for the Constitution. I just don't know is is that Second Amendment, in your opinion, being whittled away? Well, it's like Daniel Greenfield noted not too long ago, one half of the country, um, we consider it a, a fundamental human right, extension of, obviously, of the, of the first rule of nature is self-preservation, and it's part of our culture. It's not going anywhere. But then you have the other half of the country, you know, the leftists who grew up in big cities like New York, where they've never had a right to bear arms, 
uh, recognized by their city, and and they think it's it's abhorrent. So you have this this uh, strange you know split in the United States, and I don't see how you can reconcile that. One half of the country believes it's evil, the other half believes it's it's a good. What do you do? Exactly. In about 20 minutes, Greg McWhorter joins us, a law enforcement officer who is one of your board of directors for Oath Keepers, to get his perspective on some of these issues we're talking about. Stand your ground. Let's talk a little bit about that. Again, explain what that is. What that is is simply you don't have to retreat and run away or run out of your own home before you can avail yourself of a self-defense claim. I mean, a lot of states, I believe Massachusetts is a good example or Connecticut, they force you to an absurd situation where even in your own home, you must try to escape your own home and flee before you can use lethal force against a lethal force attack. Um, so they, they strip you of your right to even claim self-defense unless, you, unless you've tried to run away. And that just took that away. Standing ground says you don't have to, have to try to flee before you can avail yourself of self-defense. You still have to prove that you were in, in, you know, grievous, in danger of grievous bodily harm or in danger of death, what somebody else was. You still have to prove self-defense, but you don't have this uh, this obligation to first show that you could not have run away and escaped. You, you mean that, well, first of all, how many states have stand-your-ground laws? Um, good question. I think it's at least, I think about half of them now at least have, have stand-your-ground laws. So let, let's, let's make an assumption. You're in your house, uh, you know, you're ready to go to bed. All of a sudden you hear the smashing of a window or something you go downstairs with uh, a gun, maybe a baseball bat, and somebody's in your house. And you're going, you know, what the heck is this? In in some cases, are you saying that you do not, as a homeowner, have the right to shoot that person who has broken into your house without getting in trouble yourself? Well, you you can never just shoot someone to protect property. So like when I was teaching concealed carry in Nevada, the standard way we taught it is, is the guys, you know, you see the guy with your TV in your hands and he's in his hands and he's walking out your front door. You can't use lethal force to stop his, the theft. You can only use lethal force to defend your life. But the standard ground laws are meant to preserve your ability to avail yourself of that self-defense claim. So if the guy comes through your, through, your, through your door, he's in your kitchen, he's got a knife in his hand, and he's walking towards you. Um, what, what standing ground allows you to do is to defend yourself and defend your life without having to first, you know, turn around and, and try to run, in which case he could stab you in the back or shoot you in the back, potentially. So, so this, it just puts you on an even playing field. Now you, can, now you just have to show that he was a threat to your life and that you were under reasonable fear of grievous bodily harm or death. You don't have to first show that you had no recourse, no, you know, you could not escape. We'll take calls with Stuart next hour about this. But, Stuart, this is crazy because who's got the time to determine whether somebody is just in your house, uh, broke into it, and just wants to steal something and run away or or kill you? I mean, if, 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 you know, you wake up in some some shadow standing over your bed um, and you have a, you know, have a handgun within easy range and you can reach it and you defend yourself, then the person who judges you, the jury, will look at that and say, okay, in the same circumstances, was his fear reasonable? You know, smashing glass, your wife screaming, some guy's got her on the floor, he's got a knife to her throat, you shoot him, you're probably going to be okay. So it kind of depends on the circumstances whether the jury's going to believe what you did was reasonable. But what was happening, though, is that you weren't even allowed to present the self-defense claim in these states that didn't have standard ground because you had to first prove that you could not escape. They wanted you to run out a window or something, and if you, can, if you didn't do that, 
well, sorry, pal, you can't claim self-defense. Now, with people who have concealed weapon uh, permits, uh, you know, we've always been instructed, boy, you better be right before you shoot the person. And again, that's a very subjective issue too, Stuart, because, you know, if somebody's robbing you, uh, pretending to have a gun, uh, and you have one, I'm not going to think twice. Uh, would you? Well, but that's the thing. It goes back to reasonable suspicion, reasonable fear. If, if, he's, if he's got an object in his pocket, or it's dark, and you think he's got a gun, and it turns out to be a starter pistol, um, you had a reasonable fear that this was a legitimate threat to your life. And if the jury finds that they would have done the same thing under the reasonable man standard, that a reasonable man would have done the same thing in the same circumstances, then you'll be okay. I'm in St. Louis right now doing the program. I go back and forth between Los Angeles and St. Louis, and I was here during the Michael Brown episode in Ferguson, Missouri, where the Oath Keepers were also there, too. Give us your perspective on that. Well, we responded after the fact to the rioting and the arson. We could see pretty, pretty clearly that the governor was not going to step in and stop it for political purposes. He was going to let it go on. And this has been the, the pattern of, of leftist politicians is to allow people to riot and burn down their, their own town. And so we went there, and we weren't the only ones that did this. There were, there were locals. There were young black men standing out in front of liquor stores and, and, uh, and convenience stores with shotguns and rifles doing the right thing. So we went there and secured an entire block of buildings, uh, starting with a uh, black-owned bakery, but also, and it shouldn't make a difference what color someone is, but our critics try to claim that we were protecting white businesses, which is complete garbage. That, that was not true. I mean, I, minority-owned I, businesses, actually. You were protecting businesses, period. Right, exactly. And also apartments above the businesses. And our, and our logic was is, you know, uh, arson is lethal force, and there are people living in apartments above these buildings, um, so we're going to protect them. And we did. We stood up there with rifles and shotguns, and, and uh, nobody burned those buildings down. We're going to uh, talk a lot with uh, with Greg about the recent rash of police shootings that have been going on these days, too. Uh, overall, what's your feeling, Stuart, about just the mood of the country with regards to uh, guns, gun control? Uh, we, You know, these horrible episodes, every time there's a school shooting, everybody runs and says, you know, we need to ban guns. Um, and again, it's, it's not the gun who kills, it's the individual. And... Uh, However, that person gets a gun, that's the issue, of course. But uh, what's your perspective on all of that? Well, the school shooting, the issue is it's, it's a artificial environment. It's a victim disarmament zone. They've, they've created this, you know, like a flypaper kind of thing. They've created this environment where the active shooter, the, the guy who wants to go out taking a, a large body toll with him, knows that if he goes to the school, he's got disarmed people. So, you know, we put together a panel of our, our best cops. Greg was on it. And they produce guidelines for schools. And then the basic guidelines are arm the teachers, uh, those who are willing to be trained properly, let them carry, volunteer uh, parents, and also local military and police veterans, which is exactly what Sheriff uh, Judd does down in, in Polk County, Florida. He's been doing it for two years now, and it works. That's the solution. But the, but the political class in this country doesn't want to listen to logic. They want what they want. I mean, what they want is to disarm the American people. I would guess with so many people having handguns and guns, there's almost no way they're going to be able to disarm Americans no, without really causing a problem. Well, they're not going to do it. Like I said, half the country, this is this is part of our life, our livelihood. 
our way of life, and we see it as a basic fundamental human right. This is not going to happen. So it's going to wind up, you know, I hate to say it, but it'll wind up causing another civil war in this country if they try. I think you're, but they can't see that. I think they you're right. And let's hope to God it never happens like that, Stuart. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.